0: Let's turn to Psalm 150, and as we read the psalm, I encourage you to think of it again in terms, in light of eternity, so much in the psalms is about our immediate experience, our grief, and our trials, whereas Psalm 150 is a, a forever psalm. It's a psalm that will always, forever and ever, have some applicability to it. Because it's all about hallelujah. That's the word that's repeated in various forms throughout Psalm one fifty. A word that means you all praise the Lord. Psalm one fifteen Psalm one fifty. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, come to us. Work through this word of God that we have just read. Change us, transform us from one degree of glory to another. Do what we cannot do. Do it through moving within this word and bringing it to bear in our hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. one interesting feature about the Bible is that it doesn't ask you how you feel. When you come to a psalm like Psalm 150, you might not even realize it, but it can take you off guard. It can sort of feel out of place. You are immersed in your own life. You have the various trials and afflictions and health difficulties and anxieties and fears and griefs that life brings all of the surprises that life hurls in your direction and it might not even be anything terribly big and significant it might just be a bad day waking up on the wrong side of the bed feeling grumpy feeling put out down and out then you come to god's word it doesn't ask you how you're feeling And it just says, praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expense." And you get this loud psalm as the word of God saying over and over, praise the Lord. Commanding you to praise the Lord. A jubilant, joyful, loud psalm. And Sunday is very much like that. You... Go through your week with all of the difficulties and trials of it. Then Sunday comes, and if you're honest, you probably think about what you might rather do on Sunday than come to worship, but instead you, you come to worship, you hear the word of God, and the teaching and preaching of it on which in, on this particular Sunday consists of a psalm saying, Praise the Lord. Go all out in praising the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Regardless of what your circumstances are, regardless of how you feel, regardless of whether or not you're having a good day or a bad day, you are called 13 times in six verses, even commanded by God. Praise the Lord. What I want to do in looking at this psalm, is actually, believe it or not, pick up on what we've been looking at over these past few weeks, this idea that as Christians, we grieve, we weep with those who weep, we see Jesus as our model for life, and we see that Jesus wept. That our grief is real, although it is informed by a real hope that makes us grieve as those with hope, not as those without hope. And last week we looked at uh, Psalm 77 and all the ways in which that reaches into even our grieving experience and enables us, teaches us, draws us to a point where we are grieving to the glory of God. And I thought, why don't we have a challenge set before us and go to a very different psalm very different from psalm 77 go to psalm 150 and see if we can make this jump from grief to jubilant worship while still understanding that we do grieve and that life is often oscillated between grief and worship and joy and sorrow what i want to draw your attention to in this psalm is three different elements that are present as we read it and those three different elements are hope worship and passion hope worship and passion and i I think psalm 150 sort of stays a frustrating psalm i'm not sure anybody hits the alarm clock on a morning and just jumps out of bed saying hallelujah praise the lord another day to sing god's praise uh, if you're anything like me, it takes a little while to work up to any feelings of thanksgiving or any uh, worshipful thoughts or hallelujah. It's kind of, kind of takes a little while to get going and moving. I suppose some of you are morning pe- people, which uh, is a very wonderful thing to be, but not true of all of us. <laughs> and um, at the same time, you know, morning devotions is a thing. Psalm 150 is in our Bible. So we come to these exclamations these exclamative commands from god praise the lord and as we see hope worship and passion in the psalm you i think you have to start with hope i think that's where you have to start with psalm 150 so that it's not you know it's funny uh, it speaks about loud symbols and resounding symbols well so as to make the psalm more than a loud cymbal crashing in your ear, a resounding cymbal crashing in your ear. You have to start with understanding these words as words of hope. There's some things that we do not see in Psalm 150, and I think they're appropriate to consider for a moment, as this is the last psalm in the book of Psalms. First, no author is named. I always think when that happens, it's significant because instead of thinking about the human author and what his circumstances are, you can just cut to the chase and see this as a word from God to you. Holy Spirit-inspired words of God that don't even require a human name to be mentioned. God, From God to you. And then if you think about the different psalms, even the psalm that we looked at, Last week, there's a number of things that are not in the psalm at all. There's no mention of sin. There's no mention of forgiveness. There's no mention of sorrow. There's no lament. There's no grief. Now you think about all of the ways the psalms approach us and come to us in the experiences of our lives all the ways in which God, through the Psalms, furnishes us with a vocabulary to speak to him and to cry out to him. And so much of that isn't here. In Psalm 51, David says, Against you and you only have I sinned. And that whole psalm is about forgiveness of sin and the Lord establishing a new heart within somebody who has sinned against God. No mention of that in Psalm 150 psalm 42 why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me and so many psalms that kind of fall under that theme of having a soul that is cast down being in turmoil within yourself being beside yourself as we say or even at what we looked at last week psalm 77 not being able to sleep being in sorrow to the extent that you don't have words to express yourself being in distress, on the brink of despair, none of that is in Psalm 150. Those are things we don't see in Psalm 150. And what's interesting as well is to contrast this closing psalm of the Psalter with the opening psalms of the Psalter. There's 150 psalms, and the first two psalms are sometimes referred to as the gateway to the psalter. But then we have this concluding psalm of nothing but jubilant, joyful praise, hallelujahs to God. And I think there's a contrast between them. If you think about Psalm 1, which many of you know, it begins, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, and that whole Psalm 1 is all about the blessed man, the blessed individual, the blessed person, the man of God, the Christian, Jesus Christ preeminently, but then Christians in him, the blessed one. Psalm 150 has nothing to do with any individual. It's the corporate gathering, unity, harmony, community, a unity so strong that they are united in singing God's praises together. Not you individually, but you all praise the Lord. Which is what hallelujah means. And it even goes beyond that, doesn't it? Look at the end of uh, Psalm 150, the very last verse of the psalms. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a glorious picture into eternity? Here's how it should be, says the psalmist in the last verse of the psalm. Everything that has breath is using that breath as a gift from God to fuel the praises of God. Breath not wasted. Breath not used to rebel against God. Breath used by all creatures To, in unity, in harmony, praise the Lord. All creation finally doing what it was originally designed to do. Praise the Lord. And here is a a window into viewing this psalm as exceedingly hopeful and informing your faith with hope and infusing your faith with hope and insisting that your faith be a faith of hope. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Is that what you see when you turn on the television? Is that what you see in politicians? Is that what you see in the newspaper? Is that what you see at your workplace? Everyone just relentlessly, uninhibitedly praising the Lord over and over, breath being used for nothing else than the ceaseless praise of the Lord who is worthy of all praise. Is that what you see? I think what we see quite frequently is kind of more of what we see at the beginning of the Psalter in Psalm 2. The kings of the earth and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. Isn't that what we see? A creation in rebellion against the Creator God. Sin triumphing so frequently over righteousness. People doing what is right in their own eyes, saying, We will not be under the bonds of the Almighty God. We do not care what it means to be made in His image. We will determine for ourselves how we will live. Isn't that what you see when you watch a movie, when you see a TV show? read the newspaper, go to your workplace. We do not see at this time everything that has breath praising the Lord. So we see Psalm 150 has this forever dimension to it. It is after sin. It is looking to a time after sin when there's no more need for the forgiveness of sins because sins have been forgiven and there is no more sin among the people of god it's looking to a time after death after grief after lamentation after tears after mourning it's a forever psalm it's a psalm that 10,000 years from now we can look at and say there's all these ways in which this still applies Now I know better than I've ever known how to praise the Lord. I've been doing it for 10,000 years. In a sense, Psalm 150 is what we sing in Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. When we've been there 10,000 years, that will be only the beginning of our hallelujahs to God to us being the fulfillment of psalm 150 so it is a hope-filled psalm and it will only make you distressed and annoyed and just kind of be loud words in your ears unless you see it from that hopeful dimension that eschatological dimension that pointing towards the new heavens and the new earth when kingdoms and rulers are no longer conspiring against the lord and his anointed But instead, everything that has breath is praising the Lord. God's creation is in a harmony of worship and praise. Looking forward to that time. And I think it's helpful for us to know that that really is what we're talking about. When we speak about faith, we emphasize faith. We speak about it all the time. We see it as the instrument of justification. But our faith is one that has everything to do with hope we don't just believe to believe we don't just have good feelings about things when we say faith we mean hope we mean looking back to what god has done in the past believing what he will accomplish in the future and that is summarized in romans eight twenty four. for in hope we have been saved but hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he has already already sees That's what's going on in Psalm 150. Yes, today, people conspire against the Lord and his anointed. People breathe and use that breath to invigorate rebellion against God. But one day, all that has breath will praise the Lord. God's creation is approaching a holy harmony in which he is worshiped as the supreme creator the holy 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 god is worshiped and adored by his at that point holy creation after sin after death after grief after tears and that brings the psalmist to worship i mean that's what praising the lord is all about that's what we meet together and do that's why this psalm was used as a call to worship and worship isn't suggested it isn't recommended we don't read that something that might lift your spirits a little bit is worship if you're so inclined instead we have god commanding each of us 13 times in six verses to praise him to hallelujah to come together as the people of god you all and praise the lord And to do that, look at verse 2. There's a recipe for worshiping the Lord. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him for what he's done. And praise him for who he is. We often say the person and work of Jesus Christ. Praise him for his work. Praise him for who he is as a person. And there you have to take this eternal dimension of this forever psalm and rejoice in where you are. When this psalm was written in the Old Testament, God hadn't become man yet. Jesus hadn't walked the face of the earth. There were great acts of the Lord, mighty deeds, like what we looked at last week, the crossing of the Red Sea, the exodus, the deliverance of the Israelites, God making a people for himself and having the tabernacle built and being worshipped by the children of Israel. But look at how much more you have now. Look at how much more is fulfilled in this very psalm that you get to enjoy more of the foreverness of this psalm by saying, look at the mighty deeds of the Lord. God, holy, holy, holy God, became man and dwelt among us. The holy, holy, holy God not only became man, but became man so that he could draw near to sinners, so that he could dialogue with sinners, that he could speak the good news of great joys to disciples who were sinners, so that he could be obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross for sinners, sinners like me, so that he could put death itself to death through his own death, you think about a verse like the wages of sin is death and what a privilege it is for us to look at the mighty deeds of the lord and say the wages of sin is death and those wages have been paid in full because of the mighty deeds of the lord because god became man and was obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross for my sake putting death to death and paying the wages of sin so that I won't be penalized for them, so that I have forgiveness, so that every worship service, every Sunday, I can celebrate the assurance of pardon that is read to me, so I can stand forgiven with sin not imputed to me. The mighty deeds of the Lord. But also just who God is. Surrounded by trials, seeing sin so close in yourself, in your own life, being bombarded by information, so much of which is unsolicited, hearing about tragedy, grieving, hurting, at points being overwhelmed by anxiety. You can go to God and just think about who He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Unchanging because He's God. Unchanging because there's nothing more perfect for Him to change into. No need for growth. No need for progress in God. And this holy, holy, holy triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, you're made in his image. You're made to commune with him. You're made to speak with him. It's why you think. It's why you can verbalize things in words. You're made to hallelujah God, to spend time in union and communion with him, to take all of the anxieties and cares and griefs and trials of your life and say, God, you're my father. This isn't for nothing. You're a perfect father. You're leading me through this. And no matter how difficult and upsetting and grievous my life gets, I know that you've already done the most important thing for me, the thing I could never do for myself, paid the wages of sin on my behalf, brought me into a state of forgiveness and redemption. And I'm never alone. No matter how sorrowful I may be, no matter how alone I might feel, You're in me by your Holy Spirit, renovating me, changing me, transforming me. You're worshiping, rejoicing in his mighty deeds, delighting in his excellent greatness in your very own way and together with all the people of the Lord. Hallelujah. Saying hallelujah to God. Following through on this command, praising the lord i just want to come to another feature of the psalm which is the passion that is so evident in it the different instruments that are named in verses three through five are the different instruments we read about throughout the old testament And they were the instruments used to celebrate the different holy days of the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, other celebrations that they had, but they were also instruments that just punctuated the lives of celebrating Israelites in the Old Testament. So I don't think that this is a recipe for the different instruments that should be up here accompanying us during worship. I just think it's saying, you know how instruments play music and sort of punctuate your life all the way through? Just think about all of them being used to worship God. Praise Him with trumpet sound, harp, lyre, timbrel, dancing, praise Him with stringed instrument and pipes, loud cymbals and resounding symbols. Not just enough to have loud symbols, we want resounding symbols in there as well. I think the idea is worship the Lord through all means possible. Give yourself entirely to the worship of the Lord. Worship him in every circumstance. Worship him in a real sense with abandon. I don't mean being irreverent and foolish and disorderly and all of those things. I mean, there is a place for you to recognize that in so much of life, we are called to put the brakes on, to live in moderation, to not idolize things, to not give ourselves with abandon to passions and lusts. But when it comes to the praise of the Lord, give yourself entirely to it. Say hallelujah 13 times in six verses. Whatever instrument you can get your hands on, use it to praise the Lord. However you can praise him, praise him. Be delivered in a sense from all of the immediate circumstances of your life by turning from them and saying it is appropriate that i praise a god who is this good who is this wonderful who is this worthy of praise even if i don't feel like it even if i'm down even if i'm grieving praise the lord bless the lord O oh my soul and all that is within me Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice, writes Paul from prison. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song through whatever means available to you in, every and every, in a, any and every circumstance. Remember your God. Consider his mighty deeds even on your behalf. The future that is in store for you that while one day we will look around and say, wow, everything that is breathing is only using that breath as fuel to praise the Lord. A fulfillment of Psalm 156 that we looked at all those Sundays ago. And I'm a part of it. But what's so glorious and why I think it's at the end of the psalms is that you don't need to wait to be a part of it. You are right now a part of it. And it is significant that you can come to worship the Lord your God and look around and say, yes, I I know there's walls and I can't see through these walls into other buildings and see what's beyond these walls. But it is significant that right now, you are looking around and saying, Everybody that I see is praising the Lord. They are using the oxygen that God has given them as a gift, as fuel to hallelujah the Lord, to be part of you all praising the Lord. And what is true here now in that more limited sense will continue to become more and more true until 10,000 years from now. When we have no less days to sing god's praise than when we first begun we will have the privilege and joy of realizing the comprehensive fulfillment of psalm 156 observing that everything including us is praising the lord hallelujah praise the lord father in heaven bring us to that point of worship Help us to remember it is all about you that we are happiest when we are looking to you in faith and hope. Happiest when we are delivered from ourselves. Happiest when we are singing hallelujah. We pray that you would make each of our worship times and our times in private, times in which we are those singing the praise of the Lord. We pray in your great covenant name. Amen.